Good morning, and thank you for listening virtually to our Sunday message this morning. Our passage today is Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. But before this, I want to introduce uh, with a story. There is a group of men who stood at the edge of a dark, unexplored cavern. One of them looked down and wondered what it may cost him to descend into it and away from the life he knew. He said, there's a gold mine in India, but it seems as deep as the center of the earth. Who's going to go inside and explore it? An answer from a man was in waiting. I will go down, replied William Carey. But just remember that you must hold the ropes. This, said Andrew Fuller afterward, we solemnly engaged to do, pledging ourselves never to desert him as long as we should live. A small group of English pastors in the late 18th century looked at what seemed to be an insurmountable task before them. The spiritual darkness they saw clouding India could no longer be ignored, and these friends desired to bring the gospel to the distant nation. William Carey said that he would go if his colleagues who stayed behind would commit to holding the rope. Andrew Fuller was one who stayed in England. He championed for his friend, William Carey, and the ministry to unreached people as fundraiser, promoter, and pastor. He continuously battled the Western world's ill-reformed doctrines and he visited churches to represent those who followed Carey's path overseas. He even took the lead role of selecting new missionaries to help him. He never made the journey across the ocean to preach the gospel in India, but because of his efforts never letting go of that rope, he helped shape much of what modern missions look like today. William Carey is known for quoting this, to know the will of God, we need an open Bible and an open map. And I would add to that, that we also need an open heart, willing to listen to God. William Carey spent 41 years in India without a break. His missionary work is known to have produced over 700 Christians in a nation where millions did not know God. He laid an impressive foundation of about 40 Bible translations. He created colleges for the local population to learn and become educated, and he was dedicated to social reform. He has been referred to as the father of modern missions. His teachings, his translations, writings, publications, his educational establishments, and his influence in social reform are said to have marked the turning point of Indian culture from a downward to an upward trend. Kerry didn't see India as a foreign country that was an opportunity to be exploited, but he saw it as his heavenly father's land to be loved and saved. William Carey saw India as if it was a field ready for harvest. William Carey was moved with compassion for India as he saw so many souls that were lost and weary and scattered, like sheep without a shepherd. He saw that he could be that laborer that was needed, ready to collect the harvest, and he trusted God to lead his steps as he did it. I want us to keep this man's life work in mind as we read our passage this morning and think to ourselves, how could I follow after his example? I believe that this passage resonates with William Carey's mission to see the lost souls of the world saved. So our passage this morning, it's in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. 
Matthew 9, 35 to 38. And it reads, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues. It says in the Bible that he taught with authority. Jesus is God, and he knew exactly the message that the crowds needed to hear wherever he went. And because he's all-knowing all and he is God, he understood the scriptures better than any man could interpret. It says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in response to his sayings, that the people were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority and not as a scribes. And Jesus also taught with wisdom. He had complete knowledge of the scriptures and could connect passages that people would have never thought to tie together. The way he taught got to the heart of the issues that he spoke about. He carefully chose his words with wisdom, so much so that the people were astonished at his teaching. It says in Mark 6, 2, but when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this with which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Jesus not only went about preach, uh, teaching, but he also went preaching to people the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus came into the world and he preached the gospel of the kingdom. He preached the good news that the kingdom of God would be set up soon and that Jesus the Messiah would be the founder of this kingdom. And this is the gospel that he preached. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3, it states, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus Christ suffered death on the cross in our place to secure eternal salvation for the people in the kingdom of God. He was resurrected from the dead. He proved that death had no power over him and that he was able to give eternal life to those who put their faith in him. And then he was restored to life, raised from the dead, and exalted to the right hand of the throne of God in heaven. And soon he's coming back to reign in majesty. Jesus sent John the Baptist to prepare the way for him when he came later. John was the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, saying, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for remission of sins. Later in Mark 1, it says, and he preached saying, there comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 14 of Mark 1, it says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel.
And finally, towards the end of the chapter in Mark 1, it says, But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. Jesus made it his mission to come to this world and preach the gospel, the gospel of salvation. And in the next few verses in Matthew 10, we see that he goes and commands his disciples to follow after his footsteps and do the same. It says in Matthew 10, 5 through 8, These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but rather go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. When Jesus came into this world, he saw that it did not know him and that it did not know God. He needed to teach them about God, what God was like, and how much God loves them. These people either thought they knew God or they didn't have a clue at all. So Jesus went about teaching and preaching the gospel to them so that they would understand who God is. And also to give his message more authority, he performed many miracles and healed crowds of their sicknesses and diseases. When the people saw that Jesus could do these things, they realized this was no ordinary man. This was Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. It says that he went about healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Earlier in uh, Isaiah, it mentions that he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And also in Matthew 4, 23-25, it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Jesus came and he taught and he preached to them, and he healed them of their sicknesses. When Jesus was with the multitudes, he gave them what they needed. And being an all-knowing God, he knew what they needed ahead of time. He knew that they needed to be taught, so he taught them and he preached the gospel to them. All of them needed this. Others needed to be healed from their tormenting illnesses and sicknesses. So Jesus reached out his hand, touched them and healed them of their diseases. He had compassion on them. Jesus surrounded himself with these crowds so much so that they gathered around him because they knew that they needed him. Jesus surrounded himself with so many people that they that were lost, that were sick. These people were weary and scattered. And Jesus made it his purpose on earth, his mission to reach out to these people so that they would know the love of God. 
the missionary William Carey did a similar thing. He saw that the country of India had so many lost souls, and so he made it his mission to witness to as many people as he could, to raise up leaders who could also do the same thing and preach the gospel. And he met their personal needs. He saw that they didn't have a Bible in their own language that they spoke. And so what he did is he translated the Bible into their languages. He learned their language, became familiar with their culture, and translated these Bibles. And he saw that they didn't have education. They didn't have opportunities for jobs because they didn't have education. So he met them where they had a need. He built a school for them so that he could educate them, so that they could live more profitable lives. And we are called to follow after Christ's footsteps and follow him. We are supposed to imitate him. And although we can't perform miracles and heal like he did, I don't think that's the point. We can follow after his character and his actions. I wonder if the following statement could be said about you personally. When people think about your life, would they say that you went about all the cities and towns in the world, teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom wherever you had opportunity. And when you did this, you showed the people that you interacted with, you showed them love, and you showed them mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering to everyone around you. But when you saw the lost souls in the world, you were moved with compassion for them because you saw that they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. It says that when Jesus saw the multitudes, I just want to pause here and try to visualize this with me. When I read it, I imagine it like this. Jesus was going about all the towns and villages performing miracle after miracle teaching them constantly and preaching the gospel all day. And he's tired. He's exhausted himself. And then it's as if he turns around and just sees the crowds, the masses, the multitudes gathering around him, running to him, and just takes a moment to really look at them for who they are. He looks intently at them and sees that they are beaten down. They are lonely and faint-hearted. They are so tired and exhausted. They're scared and they're sad. They are poor and needy and they're desperate and they don't know where to turn to. And when Jesus sees the multitudes, it says that he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. This is the compassion that Jesus has on the crowds. And not only just the crowds, but it's the compassion that he has on us. There's an interesting passage in the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel. God compares the leaders of Israel to irresponsible shepherds. And then the chapter contrasts it to show that God is the good shepherd who is compassionate towards his sheep. The passage clearly shows why the sheep were scattered. The leaders of Israel didn't feed the sheep and they only cared for the fat and the wool that they could get off of the sheep. They didn't strengthen the sheep 
the ones that were weak, and they didn't care to heal the sick. They saw that the sheep were broken, but they didn't bind them. They didn't even care to look after the sheep that went away that were lost. In fact, not only this, but they ruled the sheep with oppression, so much so that they scattered the sheep so that they became food for the wild beasts. The people of Israel were weary and scattered because they had been under the law trying to please God, which is an impossible thing to do. You can never follow the law perfectly. So they were lost. But not only this, they were oppressed by the scribes and the Pharisees because the Pharisees and the scribes, they put these extra burdensome laws that you must do these extra man-made laws to be righteous before God. These were oppressive sets of rules that they put on these people. But the story doesn't end with these irresponsible shepherds. God promises one day to send a good shepherd who will be compassionate towards his sheep and do what the irresponsible shepherds never did. This is what it says in Ezekiel 34, starting in verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he's among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away, bind the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. I don't know if you've ever seen a shepherd calling their sheep, but it's an amazing thing to see. I was watching a few videos online of sheep that were scattered on a hillside on a dark and cloudy day. And these sheep were just going in every direction. They had their heads hanging down low and they looked weary and scattered. A stranger calls them by name and says, come now, come now. But there's no response from the sheep. And again, the stranger calls out, come now, come now. Still no response. The sheep do not listen to the voice of the stranger. But they do listen to the voice of the shepherd because they know the shepherd loves them and cares for them. The shepherd calls the sheep who are weary and scattered all about the hillside and says, come now, come now. And the sheep come running at the shepherd full speed. The sheep know that the shepherd cares for them and that he will provide for their needs. And it's amazing to see that Jesus is this good shepherd. It says that when he fed the 5,000 people who were following him, they came from all over running to meet him. In Mark 6, it says, But the multitudes saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together with him to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep 
not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. You see, for so many centuries, the people of Israel had heard the voice of the stranger saying, come now, come now. And they became weary and scattered. And they finally heard the voice of the good shepherd that God promised. The multitudes, they heard it, and they came running like sheep, full speed when their shepherd calls them. Jesus is this good shepherd who is here before the people in Israel. And when he sees the sheep, the multitudes, he is moved with compassion for them because they're so lost. But unfortunately, even though these are God's chosen people and they've had all the opportunities to know him, most of them still reject him and refuse to hear him. They've had a reputation for refusing to listen to God and the prophets that he sent before them all these years. Israel has hardened their hearts against God for centuries. It says in Romans, But to Israel, he says, All day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. See, God tried to reach out time and time again with one prophet after another, but Israel refused to listen. And it says later in Matthew that Jesus weeps over the loss of Jerusalem. It says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you are say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. God told about this good shepherd who would one day come to gather the sheep of Israel together. And this is Jesus he was talking about. He came from heaven to gather the sheep together. He is the one who searches for the lost sheep and seeks them out. He delivers them from where they were scattered on that cloudy and dark day. He feeds them in good pasture and makes them lie down. He seeks after the lost. He finds the scattered sheep and he gives them true rest. Jesus fixes the broken, heals the sick, and ultimately he lays down his life for the sheep. It says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And later, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. If you're a believer listening to the message this morning, you already know that Jesus is your good shepherd. You've already experienced the compassion that he had on you when you were weary and scattered. And so now you can praise him and agree with David in Psalm 23 that the Lord is your shepherd. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Our world we're living in right now with the coronavirus and these riots, 
it makes us realize that this world is so very, very lost. This world we're living in is weary and scattered, and they don't know the good shepherd that we know. People are very scared of dying, and they're really thinking about eternity and their own lives. If you think back to when you were worried about your own eternity and your sin, do you remember when you were shown compassion by Jesus and when you were shown compassion by someone who shared the gospel with you? And how much joy brought you, how it comforted you, how it healed your broken heart, how the gospel of Jesus when you understood it, you realized that Jesus is offering to forgive you of your sins. Now you have the opportunity, more than ever, to show compassion to the lost souls that you know in the world. And right now is probably the best time ever, given the global situation. There is plenty of opportunities, because Jesus says that the harvest truly is plentiful. I'm sure many of you already have read the Facebook post from my dad uh, about his leg and his 10-day stay in the hospital most uh, a week or two ago. When he went there at first, they didn't want to see him, but towards the end of his stay, they couldn't get enough of him once they saw his hope and his faith and his positive attitude. I'll just read it real quick. It says, When I entered the hospital for my last 10-day stay, nobody wanted to come into my room to be near me. They were scared that I had COVID-19 due to the possible exposure and possible C. diff. Everyone had to come in completely gowned up, and they wanted to get out of the room as soon as possible. I felt like one of the lepers in the Bible, in isolation and crying out, unclean, unclean, until I tested negative for both. But by the end of the 10 days, medical staff purposely made their way into my room and were literally begging me to share the gospel with them. I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. I have no doubt that the foot issues were just a sideshow to get me into the hospital for the main purpose of reaching the podiatry department. The fourth floor staff, the OR room nurses, uh, they all needed the gospel. The Lord gave such amazing opportunities to speak for him. I personally spoke with over... 50 staff members about the Lord, and about 42 staff members took literature to read, who I will follow up with um, in the following weeks. God used my dad with an amazing opportunity at the hospital. My dad felt weary and tired. He was feeling beat down but God had compassion on him in this time and he encouraged him with this opportunity to share the gospel. And my dad's positive attitude throughout the whole thing with his prayer and um, trust in the Lord during this time, it really showed that there was something different in his life to the staff. And it made them intrigued. They have all these questions about their own salvation and eternity and their safety at home and will I get COVID or will I bring it home to my family? Is my 
my relative going to die? Everybody has something in their life that's broken and leaves them empty inside. My dad saw that so many people in that unit were weary and scattered because they didn't know God. But he had compassion on them and shared the gospel with them. You could pray that God would use you to reach out to the people that you know in a compassionate way and show them how Jesus can save their souls, forgive them, and give them true happiness. In verse 37 it says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There is a harvest all around us. It's the gathering of people into the kingdom of God. It's sharing the gospel with people and seeing them repent and be saved. It's saving people from hellfire, from eternal damnation. When you talk with your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, you can easily see that they don't know God. And right now from my dad's story, you can see that people do really want to know God. They want to know the truth. They want to be happy. They want to be forgiven of their sins. They want to be saved. They just need somebody to show them God's love and mercy. So pray that you would be that person. The question really is, will you be that person? I love what Charles Spurgeon said in regards to evangelism. He says, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. And in another quote, C.T. Studd says, Some want to live within the sound of a church or a chapel bell, but I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. And that's really the attitude we should have. When we see the world, when we see the multitudes, we should be moved with compassion for them because they are like a harvest. There's so many of them that don't know God, that don't have a clue about God's love for them. Jesus says, Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What's the solution to the harvest? How will we collect the harvest that's so plentiful? Is it like a new book that we have to read or is it a new building that we have to create or get a better worship band? No, it's not any of that. God's solution to the abundant harvest, he says, just take a moment, stop and pray. Pray that there be more workers who are willing to collect the harvest. There are plenty of Christians in the world, but there are not enough Christians who are willing to go out and collect the harvest. Romans 10, 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. We see that the call to preach the word of God is there. 
And people are definitely searching for God and for answers. But unfortunately, there's not enough people who are willing to be that person to tell them. Not everybody is called to go overseas and become a missionary, but it doesn't mean that you can't witness to those around you and pray for them. If you weren't even willing to witness to your neighbor next door, what makes it any easier to go across the ocean? If this is something that you're interested in, Jesus says, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And when you pray that the gospel will be preached, in your prayer, pray that if it's the Lord's will, that you might be the answer to your own prayer. So this morning, if you're listening to this message, are you weary and scattered? Do you know Jesus as the good shepherd? He's looking at you and he's moved with compassion for you as a lost soul. He wants you to lie down in the green pastures, to be fed, to be at rest. He wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants to comfort you and give you great joy. And more than anything, a relationship with him and eternal salvation. If you don't, if you don't know the good shepherd, reach out. I'm more than willing to show you who he is and how he can comfort you. And if you are saved, do you look to him as your good shepherd? Do you trust him? Do you run to him when he calls you by name? And will you follow him wherever he leads you? Are you willing to be the one who shows the lost, the weary and scattered, who this good shepherd is? We should continue to pray for the world and the missionaries that are out there, supporting them. We should financially support them much more than we do. I want to end with this encouragement in Galatians 6, 9. It says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. This morning, I just want to pray that we would be moved with compassion, Lord, for the, the harvest all around us, that when we see the world around us, we would be broken for them, that we would have hearts that are just moved because they don't know you. Lord, help us to be moved with compassion for your people, for the weary and scattered that you love so much. Lord, you didn't come for the good because there is no good in this world. Lord, you came for the broken. You came for the sinners just like me. Lord, help me and help us to fulfill your call to pray that more uh, laborers will be sent into your harvest and help us to go out to all the world and preach your gospel so that your word is proclaimed. I pray this in your name. Amen.